this morning the series an awesome series on the Holy Spirit today not the Holy Spirit yesterday not the Holy Spirit tomorrow he'll be there tomorrow but we're talking about the Holy Spirit today right now for your life the excitement the joy the power the strength that he wants to bring you to your life right now and by looking at some of you you need some joy of the Holy Spirit in your life You need the strength and the power and the joy of God. So I just want to recap really quickly for all you sinners who haven't made it for the last couple of services. No, we're only playing. We understand that people can't make it, but we want you to make a commitment to be in the house. Really important. You know, people have said to me, Pastor P, I need to talk to you. There's problems going on in my life. And we do. We sit down and talk to people. But I'm telling you, the best way we can pastor you, the best way we can lead you, the best way we can instruct you is by you sitting under the preaching of the Word of God. Because you're going to hear truths that will change the way you treat your spouse. You're going to hear truths that's going to change the way you handle your finances and the decisions and the choices you make in life. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you need to be under the teaching, preaching of the Word of God. So we began last Sunday by asking the question, what do you think of the Holy Spirit? What do you think of the Holy Spirit? We had to start there because there are many people who are misinformed or uninformed about the Holy Spirit. What we think doesn't change who He is, but it changes the ability that we have or the openness we have to receive who He is. Because if we think He's something crazy, if we think He's something that is not for today, guess what? We won't allow Him to live in our lives today. So we had to start at the beginning presenting to you the fact he's not something crazy, but he's something awesome that wants to be a part of your life today. On Wednesday night, we answered the question, who is the Holy Spirit? We discovered three things about the Holy Spirit. Number one, he's a person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not an it or a thing. It's not this, ooh, like the Casper the ghost or something like that. And he is a person. As a person, that means that he thinks, that means that he feels, that means that he has a will. And from the Scriptures Wednesday, we opened that up and showed you that. Secondly, the Holy Spirit, he is God. Now that's a good part right there, that he is God. He is part of the triune Godhead. He's not a part of God, he's fully God. Because we believe in one God, eternally existent in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then the last part that we concluded on Wednesday night, and perhaps my favorite part, I have to admit, is this. He is the person of God 
for right now. He's the person of God right now for your life, this moment, right now, today. And I'm so thankful for that. Quickly, would you all stand to your feet with us today? We're getting ready to enter in to this message. I'm sorry I forgot to bring some books in to give away today. Just means there'll be twice as many given out next week. Is that cool? But I want you to do something again, something that we've done throughout this series, and we're going to continue to do it through this series. I want you to take one hand, and I want you to anoint your head, and another hand I want you to place over your heart. And we're just going to pray that God would open our minds and open our hearts to what we're going to receive today. Why? Because this is important stuff, life-changing stuff. In the name of Jesus, as we lay hands upon ourselves today, we pray that you would open up our minds, any wrong thinking, Any thoughts that would try to hinder, God, the truth of your word today, God, we bring them under authority right now. We bring them into subjection, as your word says. And God, we pray, God, that you would anoint our minds to be responsive and open. And God, we pray for our hearts, God, the receiving place, God, that it would be open to receive, God, the truth of your word today, God. We pray, God, that, Lord, our hearts and our minds would be fully open to you, God. Whatever our thoughts may be, past tense, God, we push those aside. And God, we come with an open heart, with an open mind to receive everything that you have for us today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. High five someone and say, I hope you wrote down four names on your list and then you can sit down. Fantastic. Fantastic. Today, I want to really look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to answer another question today, and that is, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is all this fuss? What are you really talking about in essence to the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And what we're going to do is we're going to find the answer by looking at the right perspective, and that is God's Word. If you want the right perspective on life, you've got to look to God's Word. And we believe that and and we teach that here. You know, if there's something that's preached from this pulpit that is not found in the Word of God, don't believe it. It's a lie. And it won't change your life. It will only screw you up, confuse you and mess you up. It's only the Word of God that's going to change your life. And that's why today... We're going to look in the Word of God. I'm telling you right now, we're going to go through a lot of Scripture today. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you, you can follow along. Or I encourage you, perhaps better today, to look up on the screens because then you're not distracted by trying to find the Scriptures and the verses. And please, I encourage you once again to be taking notes. But we're going to look at three accounts in the book of Acts where the baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon people. We're going to read the entirety of the account. Why? Because we're going to paint a picture. And from these accounts, we're going to bring out seven very key points of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in the life of the believer. Not thoughts that I think, but from the actual accounts from the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles with you today, or if you want to follow on the screen today, I want us to turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verse 1 through 21. So let's begin reading today. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. You didn't know Honda was in the Bible, did you? Sorry, Mike. Honda's in the Bible, not Toyota. They were all in one accord. And verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Say that with me, all filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem... Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because they heard them speak in their own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are these not who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Meds, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappuccino, just checking you're following along with me, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygra and Pamphylia, say help him Jesus, he needs it, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jewish and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. So in other words, there was a lot of people from a lot of different nations. A lot of people from different nations. And what was the conclusion of all? We hear them. Who? The people whom the Holy Spirit baptized with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We hear them speaking not a load of jabber. We don't hear them speaking nonsense. But we hear them speaking our own tongue. And we hear them proclaiming the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this mean? And others mocked and said, Oh, they're drunk. They're full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Say that with me, all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I just want to tell you right now, I'm still having visions. Just wanted you to know that. Just wanted you to know that. Some other people in here, Arnold and stuff, have told me about the dreams they're having, but I'm still having visions. Verse 18, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vaporous smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. The moon turned into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How awesome. Through the Holy Spirit, there's a promise that once again is reestablished. That there's going to be salvation that's going to flood this earth. That God is going to do it. Come on, there's going to be a revival. Before God comes back, there is going to be a revival that sweeps this nation. Turn quickly to verse 37 through 39 of the same chapter, Acts 2. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and to all who are afar off. Come on, that's us. 
Come on, that's to every one of us. God's promises are yea and amen for every one of us, as many as the Lord our God will call. Isn't that fantastic? Turn a couple of pages to Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. And the Bible says this, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went out into the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and the lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. But it doesn't end there. Turn to verse 14 of the same chapter, 8 through 17. Now, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they had come down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for yet he had not fallen upon any of them. They had, not, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. There's another account in Acts chapter 10 that we're not going to read for the moment, but it's when... Paul goes to, or Peter goes to the house of Cornelius and the Holy Spirit falls not only upon the Jews but upon the Gentiles. But one more if we could turn to Acts 19 and beginning at verse 1, we're going to read through 1 through verse 7. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, Into what were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. John's baptism is the baptism of repentance. We see that, that he baptized into repentance. Then Paul said, John did indeed baptize of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were baptized. And the Bible says, and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. Come on. Come on. Love the reading of God's words. Love the reading of God's word. Each one of the accounts that we read today is such a wonderful account of the Holy Spirit being outpoured upon believers of Christ. In each one of these accounts, we see the only condition they needed to be baptized was first, they had to be saved. They had to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. But as a result of receiving Christ, they were now able to, to be baptized, or to receive fully the Holy Spirit. So in each one of these accounts, there are distinct similarities, or better said, I believe, vital truths that present what we need to know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'll say to every one of you today, fasten your seatbelts, let's go on a ride. Let's go on the thrill of your life. Let's go on a ride that's going to change your life as we introduce to you the power that can come through the outpouring or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit upon your life. So point number one, when we're looking at the question of what is the Holy Spirit? And what is specifically the baptism in the Holy Spirit? 
from every one of these accounts, we see something, and that is this, that they felt and experienced something. Come on, God's presence was felt and experienced. It wasn't a question of, man, did you feel that? No, what did you feel? Every one of them had a story to tell. And, I, you know, in the accounts that we read today, it wasn't just half of them that received the baptism. The Bible says that all received, that they all experienced and felt the same things. You know what will stop us from feeling and experiencing God? Our will. If we close our heart and say, God, I don't want you, God will not enter a place that he's not made welcome. And that's why I had you today lay hands on your, your head and your heart. Why? Because I want us to want and welcome the Holy Spirit and what He wants to give to each one of us. But there was an overwhelming manifestation of God's Holy Spirit that came upon each one of them. Key words that we read were suddenly. I mean, that's cool right there. Suddenly, whoo, it happened. Suddenly, there was a sound. And guess what happens? They saw something and they heard something. Come on, I'm trying to tell you something big happened in their presence. They all knew that something happened because they all experienced it. You've maybe heard people, if you've been around church world for a while, say a saying like this, I felt the presence of God. I sensed the presence of God. You see, as human beings, we were created in the image and likeness of God. We see that God, He thinks, He feels, He has a will. God created us in the same manner, in the same way. God created us with a body, soul, and a spirit. The appetites, the desires, the thinking. So we possess the same qualities and characteristics as God. And you know why that's important? That means we can relate to God and God can relate to us. It's not like we're two mixed species and we have nothing in common. We are created in His image and likeness. Why? To be in perfect communion and union with God. Sin separated that, but God never intended that. So we see that. So when we begin to talk about the fact that God gave us feelings, we've got to realize God gave us those so we can relate to Him. David said in Psalm 16, verse 11, you show me the path of life. And he says this, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures and treasures for every more. What is he saying? Come on, the experience of God is something that should be felt. There's a feeling, David says, of great joy that comes upon me. And it's not only a joy that comes upon me, but it leads me to a place of great pleasure and fulfillment for my life evermore. So there's feelings you've got to understand that are involved when it comes to God. People say, oh, that's just a feeling. Yes, that can be God. Because God uses our feelings for us to be able to relate to Him. There's no greater feeling in your life than to feel the leading and the guidance of God. When you don't know what to do and the Holy Spirit leads you. I remember hearing a story and I'm not going to share it because I can't remember it all for the sake of time. But I remember a missionary lady and she was told to go to a foreign country. She wasn't told where to go, who to meet. God just said go. And when she arrived there, she didn't even know the language. She didn't know anything. She just got off the boat and she was right there. She didn't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, say the word hallelujah. Because hallelujah is the same in any language. 
she began to just praise God and say, praise be to God. That's what hallelujah. Yah is God. Praise be to God. That's what you're saying when you say hallelujah. God, I'm praising you. She just began to say hallelujah. A lady walked up to her and says hallelujah. They couldn't converse. That's all they knew. And she went like this. And you know what? She was led right to a place and saw revival take place. People had been praying for someone and they knew that God was going to send them. What happened? Someone was led and felt the leading of the Spirit of God. My God, do we need that every day in our lives? We need the leading, the sensing of God in our lives. We need it. We may experience God's presence. And we should feel experience in God's presence. But we must learn the difference between being emotional and emotionalism. It's the difference between having emotion and being emotional, having that emotionalism. Being emotional or having feelings is not wrong. And, and you know, it shows you have heart and expressing your emotions is part of your relationship with God, as we said. But we've got to watch the extremes. Listen to emotionalism, what the dictionary says of emotionalism. It says this, the tendency is to place too much value on emotion. In other words, to be driven by emotions is not a good thing. In fact, people who are driven by their emotions are often out of control and wild. The Holy Spirit is not something that drives you by your emotions. Doesn't make you do things that are crazy and off base and wild. Yes, you feel it. You have the emotion of it. But it doesn't take you to the place of crazy zone. Na, 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 na. You've got to realize that. But what we've got to realize is we don't therefore push our feelings aside. But then we've also got to realize that our focus must not be solely on an emotional relationship with God. In your Christian walk, we call it, and the Bible calls it, a walk of faith. You know what that means? You're not going to always feel it. There's going to be days when you don't feel it. And that's when we talk, call it the true faith, huh? When you don't always feel like praising God. And you don't feel like sometimes that God's even there. And you question and you go through all these kind of things. But you know what? Our faith walk can involve feelings. And I love it when it does. But listen, it's not limited to only feelings. Mark 12 verse 30 tells us, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Giving everything to God, sensing Him. So what do we see? The Holy Spirit is something that is felt for a purpose. It's an experience that comes upon us. That we can have a new relationship with God, a new connection with God, that we can sense God. But again, let's watch the extremes. Because we can get so extreme that it becomes not God at all. And we've got to be careful with that. So they felt the Holy Spirit. They sensed His presence. They knew He was present. Here, let's have a look at the second point that we see from these accounts. The second thing we see is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate experience. What I mean by that, it's a separate experience from salvation. It can occur simultaneously, but it's a separate experience. We've said this last week and we're going to say it again today. Salvation is God's gift to the world, but the Holy Spirit is God's gift to His church. So there's two separate experiences that take place. 
And I want us to quickly look at the Holy Spirit's role in our conversion or salvation experience because he has to be involved. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, what he's saying here is no one can be saved calling Jesus Lord except the Holy Spirit leads them to that place. So one of the most important roles of the Holy Spirit is to draw mankind to Christ and lead us into relationship with Him. That's part of the salvation experience. I want to say that again. That is part of the salvation experience. The Holy Spirit works on your behalf, drawing us into a place, bringing us to that place where we say yes to Jesus Christ, where we accept him. It's a working power that we didn't see working around us. When we were lost, we didn't see that God's Holy Spirit was sending people into our lives and circumstances were being moved and affected. What was that? That was the yearning. That was the drawing of the Holy Spirit that was bringing us to that place. You just think that that person showed up in the cubicle beside you. No, the Holy Spirit sent that person to minister right to you. That's the working of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's part of the salvation experience. So when we're saved, the Holy Spirit is involved in that all the way. Here's a little footnote for you. Even when the church is raptured, the Bible says He's going to leave His Holy Spirit here on this earth. What does that mean? There's still going to be hope for mankind. I wouldn't wait till then. I would go up on the first shout if I was you. But what I'm saying, thank God for His grace and mercy. The Holy Spirit's going to be left. What does that mean? People will still be able to receive Christ. The mercy and the grace of God. If He was removed, there would be no hope. So as a believer, as a Christian, as a child of God, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But then there is another experience that brings about the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our life. That is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God's gift to His church. I use this analogy. It's like you have a house that's made up of many rooms. The Holy Spirit comes in as a part of salvation and He's welcomed into an area of your home. That He is part, He is there, but He is restricted or constrained to that particular area. When you allow the Holy Spirit to baptize you with an evidence of what's taken place inside of you, it's like now every door and every window is opened and He is welcomed now into every room of your house. That there is a fullness, that there is a completeness that comes, that we shake off the limitations and we allow God's presence to move. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 through 5. Jesus' words just before He was taken up to heaven and being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You've got to understand the people he's talking to are not only the 12 disciples that he walked on the face of this earth with, well, 11 really, because minus Judas, but those who heard the truth. These were people, I'm telling you right now, who were believers of God. 
These were people who had a salvation experience that they knew God. And Jesus is telling them there's another experience that you need to have. He's not talking about you need to get saved. He's saying you need some power now on your salvation. He said you need to be baptized. And his last instruction to them was be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He further emphasizes this in Acts 1 verse 8. And he says to them, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Therefore, what Jesus is showing them is, yes, it's a separate experience, but he's also letting us know, like he was letting them know, it's an experience that we need in our lives. We need to receive God's power because it's needed to carry out the job that God has for every one of us. You need the power of God in your life. You need the power of God to help you do what God has called you to do. The Holy Spirit gives us power that we need for daily living and the power to help us accomplish everything that He has called us to do. Sam asked the question on Wednesday night, why do we need the Holy Spirit? That's a good answer right there. We need it. Why? The power to accomplish and the power to do what God has called us. In order for you to live in complete victory, I believe God's word clearly shows us that we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And no wonder it's so opposed. Come on, Satan doesn't break into an empty house. He only goes where there's something of value. No wonder the Holy Spirit is so opposed in church worlds today. And the reason is because Satan knows the power greater than we do. He is, he's experienced that power firsthand as God st- smote him and struck him down from heaven to this earth. He knows the power of the Holy Spirit. He knows the ability and the working. And that's why he wants our minds and our hearts to be closed off from the very source of God's power. So in these accounts that we read earlier, we see a distinction between their salvation. As I said in Acts chapter 2, when when, um, Peter shows up on the scene, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He wasn't questioning their salvation. He was just letting them know there's still more available in God. I want to tell you that today. There's still more available in God. For every one of us, even if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, there's more available in God. Why? Because you can be refilled with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled to overflowing. And for what reason? It's not overflowing to be a waste. It's overflowing that you can spill out and touch other people's lives all around you. The baptism experience today is very rarely taught and really presented. And when it is, they muddy up the water so much by man's opinions and by his interpretations. I encourage you, as always, don't take my word for it. Look to the word of God. Again, that's why we read those accounts today. Why? Because don't base your life upon man's opinions or man's interpretations. You don't have to have an opinion or an interpretation about what we just read today. It's written in black and white that God says, I want to pour my spirit upon all flesh, that there's going to be power to be, power to serve, power to live. And all I'm telling you right now, if you don't understand that, we're going to pray for you at the end. Because you need prayer. I mean, you've got to understand this is something that God has for us. God has, come on, say it. God has it just for me. 
Come on, say it one more time. God has it just for me. So from what we've read today, come on, we clearly see the baptizing of the Holy Spirit is an experience available to children of God after the salvation experience. Do you hear an amen? amen? Point number three. Help me, God. I've got 99 points to cover today. Only joking, only joking. Relax. Turn to your neighbors. Say, just relax. It's going to be okay. He's only got 98 more to go. Point number three. There was an evidence that came with the baptism. There's a receipt that comes with the purchase. Come on, not that we have to buy anything. That's just a figure of speech. But you have proof of what is in your life. Have you ever gone to Sam's Club? What I do, I do it every time I go to Sam's Club. As soon as I get my receipt, I fold it up all nicely, put it in my wallet and go to go out the door. And I forget every time that they have to check your receipt before you leave. Anyone ever seen that? And I'm like, oh man. And then I'm digging through my wallet, pulling out all these different ones. Walmart do and Hobby Lobby do. No, no. And then I finally find it. There it is. And I say to the lady or the man every time, I do this every time. When am I going to remember? But there's a receipt that you have to show to prove That you have purchased the goods. Aren't you glad that there's a receipt with God that you can have that when the devil comes to say that's not for you, you can hold up the evidence and say, hold on a second, devil. I've got the receipt to prove there's an evidence that's come into my life that there's no doubt, there's no question that God's spirit has come. And listen, it's a receipt that I don't have to go and exchange. I don't need to exchange it. Once you've got the best, why do you want anything else. Look what it says in Acts 2 verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 10 verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnifying God. You can read Acts 19 6 too and there's other scriptures. But as a result of the Holy Spirit baptizing them, the Bible says some spoke or some prayed in other tongues, a language not previously known by them, what we call a heavenly language. The act of speaking in other tongues is our response to being baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we see and we read earlier that the language they spoke was understood by other people. They spoke a language that they didn't know, but other people knew. And what they heard them speaking was they were glorifying and praising God and declaring the wonders of God in different languages. Now, some people believe from the word of God that the heavenly language that we speak is a dialect or it is a language that is spoken somewhere else in the world. That may be true. I don't know for fact. But don't get hung up on that, because what you need to know is this. It's an evidence of your experience. I told this story before. I believe it was my granddad and Louis. They went to Israel. They were so overcome with the fact of finally being in Israel that in the taxi ride, they began to speak in other tongues and they began to praise God. And when the taxi driver dropped them off, he let them know that the whole taxi ride, they were glorifying God and speaking about God and his goodness in his language. Don't tell me that God's not real. Don't tell me that God cannot move in your life. But there's an evidence. Say what they There's an evidence that comes. Number four, the Holy Spirit works in a yielded vessel. 
if I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how do I get that? We've got to be a yielded vessel. We've got to be yielded to Him. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the case of the Holy Spirit coming into your life and taking over your life and forcing you to do things. You've got to understand that. Will He give you the strength to do things beyond what you're able to do now? You better believe it. But to be forced or to be pushed into something is not what He does. He empowers us to do greater things. Listen to what Jesus says of the Holy Spirit experience in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. Jesus prepared the disciples for His leaving. He said, I'm going to be gone, but when I leave, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that's going to be with you. I'm going to pass the baton off and the Holy Spirit is going to be here. But look what He says. On the last day that the great of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart or out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. That there's a river. The Holy Spirit is like a river that desires to flow from the inside of us. It flows from within us, but it doesn't want to be just contained within us. When we allow God to have His way, when we yield our lives to God, that living water will begin to flow up and overflow into an awesome new prayer language that God wants to give Every one of us. The Holy Spirit is a gift for God. It's a gift. It's something good. Because James 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift comes from above. But listen to me. In order for a gift to be enjoyed, it first has to be given. And secondly, it has to be received. God's given it. You just got to receive it. You just got to receive it. Look what it says in Luke 11 verse 11 through 13. I know we're covering a lot of scripture today, but bear with me. It says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, who will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him up a scorpion? Verse 13, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, as humans right now, as parents that we bless and take care of our kids. Look what it says. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Come on, there's no limits to what God can do if you will yield your life and open up your life. Look what D.L. Moody said. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Infinitely more than what you can. Don't be afraid. Afraid. Yield your life to God. Give it to the one who holds your future. He won't force himself in, but he works on a yielded, willing vessel. But when he is welcomed in, he's going to move completely in. Come on, he's not just packing a suitcase. He's pulling up the U-Haul and he's in to stay. He's not just a guest that wants to come and go. He wants to come and dwell. He wants to habitate. He wants to stay inside of you in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Point number five. The Holy Spirit baptismal experience is not limited to only church. It's not limited to only church. Let me explain what I mean by that. It doesn't only happen in a church setting where you have people to pray for you and lay hands on you. In fact, some of the accounts that we just read in Acts chapter 2, there was no one to lay hands on them. They gathered together and they prayed and God's Holy Spirit fell upon them. 
In Acts chapter 10, when Peter was preaching in Cornelius' house, he didn't have other people there to lay hands on the people. He was all there by himself, but the Holy Spirit showed up. And while he was just preaching and teaching them and talking to them of the greatness of the Holy Spirit, people began to be filled and they were all filled in that place. The Holy Spirit fell. Now I will say this, the Bible does encourage us and the Bible does instruct us And it's scriptural, therefore, for us to pray and lay hands on people. And we do that. But we don't have to be limited by that either. Mum shared an account on Wednesday night that they were in a setting as a young lady and she was wanting to be filled with the Holy Spirit and she didn't get it and she was disappointed. But yet she kept opening up her heart and said, God, I know you're real. Would you fill me? And God baptized her in the Holy Spirit in her bed that night. Don't limit God. Thank God it can happen today. Thank God it can happen in this moment. Thank God His power is alive. And we believe, like I said, in laying hands on people and praying for people. And thank God for that. But don't limit that. It can happen in your car. It can happen on your way home. It can happen in the grocery store. Come on, it can happen anywhere. And His Holy Spirit is not going to make a spectacle of you. But He's going to give you a power, a presence that's going to be felt and experienced in your life. Come on, I'm almost done unless you want me to quit today and you better not say no. Nervous times right there. Point number six, the Holy Spirit was a normal experience that was expected in the New Testament. It was normal and expected. As we see in Acts chapter 8 and 19, as it records, Peter shows up on the scene and said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were baptized? There wasn't no question about it. It was something that took place as a result of their salvation experience. They just believed that the next step was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There wasn't a debate about it. It was simply the next natural step. Unfortunately, thousands of years later, with so many various points of view and controversies, many shy away from it and as a result live without the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. The power that Jesus spoke, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send a helper. Don't be robbed from God's best in your life. Look what Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost from Joel 2, verse 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. Do you realize that Joel wrote this some th- almost 1,000 years before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place? He saw something. All they knew in the Old Testament was the power of God would come upon people for specific times. But God revealed to him something that there was going to be an outpouring of his spirit that was available for all flesh that would come upon them, that there would be life that would flow out from them. And lastly today, that brings me to the last point, and that is this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. We've mentioned that many times today. All flesh fell upon all of them. Why? Because the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not an exclusive gift, but it's an all-inclusive gift. Come on, it's not just exclusive for exclusive people who have been saved for this long or that long. The only requirement is that you're saved. And then after that, it's all-inclusive. Come on, aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is all-inclusive? That you don't have to be perfect? You don't have to have it right? In fact, you see, that's the reason we're not perfect and we're not right because we need the Holy Spirit to perfect us and to get us into that place. The power and the leading of God in our lives. So God desires for every one of us to experience 
the Holy Spirit. If you don't hear anything else that I've said today, that's a good point to go home with. God desires that I experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit for my life. So we can all receive His power to live today, to serve, to be a witness of God. And I must close now. But I'm telling you, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a prayer language for the believer. It's a source of strength and power for your lives. And we're going to talk more about that next Sunday or the Sunday after. Just don't miss a service because whenever we're touching it, you need to be here to hear it. But we're going to talk about the experience that a prayer language has for God. So tonight, today, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's an evidence that God desires to give to each one of His children to enable us to live a life of victory. It's an experience that God desires for every one of us to enter into. Would you stand to your feet with me today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.